Here is the latest Higher Summits forecast brought to you by our friends at the Mount Washington Observatory. Weather above treeline in the White Mountains is often wildly different than at our trailheads. Before you hike, check the Higher Summits forecast at mountwashington.org. Weather observers working at the nonprofit Mount Washington Observatory write this elevation-based forecast every morning and afternoon. Search and rescue teams, avalanche experts, and backcountry guides all rely on the Higher Summits forecast to anticipate weather conditions above treeline. You should too. Go to mountwashington.org or text FORECAST to 603-356-2137. start with the Mount Washington Observatory uh, report. We're going to do it live. Do you want me to do that first? Sure. Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. So this is for the weekend of uh, June, uh, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th. And essentially what we're looking at here, uh, if you read into the discussion, Friday they're looking at getting some thunderstorms, uh, short-lived thunderstorms, single-cell thunderstorms, Lightning, strong wind gusts may be possible uh, moving offshore Friday night. And then as we go into Saturday, the the chances of thunderstorms diminishes a bit, um, but widespread rain becomes more likely and winds will also be on the increase uh, into Saturday. So... We're looking at a a wet, wet weekend. So the chance for thunderstorms will still be present, although the lack of heating at the surface will inhibit storm formation. So the most dominant weather for Saturday will be widespread, steady, stratiform rain, um, which is pretty interesting. So Friday, mostly in the clouds, under mostly cloudy skies with a chance of rain showers, Chance of scattered thunderstorms, high in the 50s, northwest winds shifting south at 15 to 30 miles an hour. Um, Friday night, in the clouds with rain likely and chance of thunderstorms as well. Lower 40s, winds south shifting southeast at 15 to 30 miles an hour. 
increasing to 40 to 55 miles an hour with gusts up to 65 miles an hour. Now, here's the, uh, the, the Saturday. So, in the clouds with rain likely and a slight chance of thunderstorms. Lower 40s. Eek. <laughs> so when so you guys are going to be miserable on oh, Saturday morning. Oh, what do you mean, morning? you guys? Hold on a second. Miserable. So <laughs> southeast winds shifting east, thirty-five to fifty, with gusts up to sixty-five miles an hour, decreasing to twenty-five to forty. What do you mean, w- me? Or <laughs> you us? guys? Because I'm bailing on the Mount Washington race. I can't believe it. I'm not surprised. What do you bailing mean you're not out. surprised? You're just bailing. You're just bailing. I can't believe it. All it took was a broken toe. Yeah, Gwen. I um, so we got Gwen with us. We'll introduce her in a little while. But I was, I've been working out, getting ready for this race, and I went hiking last weekend, and I stubbed my toe so badly that I can't. I can't run. I don't think so. I'm going to try to do a run tomorrow morning and see how it feels. And then if I feel okay and I can get like a mile or two in, then maybe I'll maybe I'll run it. But yeah, that's not good. I, I don't know. It's pretty bad. My toe is hurting bad. Yeah, it's such a such a yeah. bummer. Are they still gonna have it even with the uh the weather? Yeah, well, yeah, they'll have it. Yeah. Let me read the uh the email update I got from Auto Road today. It says your safety is our number one priority. Please come prepared for ice, snow, very high winds, or hard driving rain. Um, they've had the most snow um, this June on record. And um, specifically for this weekend, it says cold, wet conditions are predicted for Saturday. So with very cold temperatures at the summit with a high of 40 degrees, make sure to give your support drivers warm clothes and a change of shoes for them to bring to the summit. And obviously check the forecast. I just looked at the Gorham. See, what I've been doing all week is looking at the Gorham and Bartlett forecast for the lower levels. And Gorham just went up to an inch and a tenth um, for Saturday. It just went up to a complete inch, yeah. inch and over. Oh, boy. And I did some research on Stratiform. I, it's sort of complicated. There wasn't a very clear definition, but from what I understand, it's upsloping winds and lighter rain, but that constant small bead rain. So, uh, yeah. With wind, that that's where that's what gets you. It oh, yeah. Te- it sounds horrible. It's going to be yeah. wild. Oh, boy. Type 2 yes. fun. Yeah. Well, let's go now, back Gwen, to... Have you ever done the road race before? No, I see. I'm I'm not a runner. I'm yeah, not a runner. You could be a power walker. Yeah, that's what most people do. Yeah. So we'll get you a hiker eventually. But yeah. um, so, so uh, we'll see. I'm like I'm about. I would say the likelihood of me running in is about ten percent right now. But Stomp is going to be a hundred percent. He's there to represent, and it'll be good having yeah. you on the mountain because just in case someone needs a little bailout, they got you to protect them. <laughs> oh, you know what's really funny about this whole thing? There's like legit zero room for the 10 essentials on this run and it's the worst weather possible yeah. oh my god it's like you it's know, the antithesis you know what of I how found i interesting. I, I looked at the um that email they sent out i didn't realize because and I, it makes sense because what the last time i ran it was during covid and they didn't have water stops so you had to bring your own water but um, now I guess they just make it a practice that everyone carries their own water. So you have to you have to have a like a hydration vest with you. So well, at least right. you know you won't be sweating all that much. <clears throat> yeah, true. <laughs> it's that true. Be that hot. 
well, there's a balance there too because with the rain, your body can't release the heat, but it's going to be so damn cold with that cold, wet weather. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. How would you pre- prepare for this, Mike uh, or Gwen? I mean, I'm, I've been dwelling on my layers and what I'm going to wear for for socks and under layers and whatever for days now. It's just it's a conundrum. I just have a couple different. Um, so we we did one last weekend and it rained on us the whole time and uh, multiple layers. And literally, I changed three times. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm going with, uh, so if I run, what I would be going with is like probably my heavier darn tough socks, wearing trail runners, and then heavier shorts. Then I'm wearing like a wicking t-shirt, wicking long sleeve shirt, and then I'm going to shove like a raincoat in my hydration pack, and that's basically it. You know, and I'm going to go with maybe maybe some gloves, and that's about it. Either way. Yeah, I was thinking similar. I'm going to do my compression stockings, but I'm also going to cut a pair of my minus 33 long thermals down, you know, cut them at the knee. So my shorts will have an underlayer underneath there. But I was thinking the same thing, just packing some kind of, uh, you know, uh, windproof something or other in my my ultralight pack along with my, um, my Gatorade or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because think about it, like really all you need to do is survive from the 4,000 foot mark when you get above tree line and then you've got that like two and a half mile push. So you got to get basically up past the hairpin turn and then go from five to about six and a half. And then by then, you know, you're so close to the summit by then, it's just adrenaline's going to take you through. So you'll be Mm. uncomfortable, but you also have the luxury of knowing that like you're going to have like the car up there with with the warm clothes and you can dry off so you really don't need to prepare like you would have to prepare for like a hike because you you don't have to get down what about safety glasses for the wind and the rain that could be a problem especially with gusts of 60 could be could be oh my god Gwen, this guy he's been texting me all afternoon like what am i gonna do what he's, he's what am i gonna wear yeah exactly yeah what am i gonna wear Mike, what am i gonna wear yeah exactly oh all right well anyway we'll see we'll we're gonna leave a cliffhanger will mike run will he not is stomp gonna survive or is he not we'll see <laughs> Um, but welcome to episode 110 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. So this week, we are joined by Gwen Stratton. Gwen is a prolific local hiker. See, you're prolific now, Gwen. Um, <laughs> she can often be seen on the steeper and more challenging trails in the White Mountains and beyond. Gwen's kind enough to sit in and talk about some of her favorite hikes with us tonight. She's going to share her tips for route planning and will talk to us about some of the slides, gullies, and tougher routes in the White Mountains. We'll talk a little about photography, hiking with kids, and many other topics. So all this, plus we recap the 48 Peaks Longest Day event that we had at Reckless last weekend. It's Bike Week in New Hampshire. We're going to talk barefoot hiking. We've got dogs eating stuff they're not supposed to eat. We've got backpack advice. We've got the world's worst father story. And we've got some (laughs) recent search and rescue news, including multiple rescues in New Hampshire. We've got kids surviving. 40 days in the jungle. We've got a hiker that went missing just in time to miss his court date. So we got lots to cover. I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. Excellent. Excellent. So um, 
So we talked about the forecast here, Stomp. I had a question for you about backpacking because I'm planning on getting um, a couple of trips going here. When you backpack, do you use like those those dehydrated bag meals or do you do something a little more hearty? Initially I did, but I've moved away from that and I just bring, um, you know, just dry food, just natural food, whether it be uh, nuts or whatever, whatever I can bring that doesn't really require a stove or anything like that. Okay. I still use yeah. a stove, but I don't mm-hmm. like those like meals in a bag. Like I read oh, this yeah, article yeah. in Backpacker Magazine. They were trying to say that dehydrated meals have come so far and that they're really fantastic. And I oh, just- maybe they have. I don't know. I don't believe it. I've tried them. I don't like them. I go with my Chef Boy RD. I bring a little bit of tin foil because that's the one thing is that I let, I do the Chef Boy RD. I put the tin foil inside my pot so that I don't get all the food inside there. I heat it up and then it's good the next morning. It doesn't get all gunked up and I can just use it for water and coffee. So, Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point there about the coffee. I tend to lean towards doing coffee rather than those uh, meals. But they're also very salty and everything else, if if I remember correctly. I, it's been a while. Yeah, some of them are. Some of them are. But I was just curious. Yeah. I had that as a note to ask you. Huh. All right, we talked about my toe drama. I can talk about like what happened when we get to recent hikes. But yeah, I'm, I can't run. I barely walk for three days. And now um, I'm up in the air in Mount Washington. But we talked about the road race here. So Oh, the, I, I have a tip for you. I mean, yeah. even if your toe is sore... I think you'll be fine because you'll have hypothermia and you won't even feel your toe, so you'll be good. He really wants me to, he really does not want to do this by himself, Gwen. I think he needs to do it. And I think you have a new trail name. I think it's like Toes or something. Stubby. 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 (laughs) So, Gwen, I don't know if you follow our Instagram, but I posted a picture of the toe. It got a lot of reaction. Oh my god! It was it was nightmare fuel. <laughs> I'll have to check that out before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> oh well, uh, wait till you wake up. Okay. You may not sleep. You may not sleep. Are you ready for Slasher's ear review? All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about gear here. So Stomp is talking about umbrella hats. So I've seen these before. I think Danielle had used this on the Appalachian Trail before. Um, yeah. But what, what are your thoughts? Are you? It's too windy to wear an umbrella hat this weekend for you, Stomp. But well, I was leaning you, hard. I was leaning hard on getting one of these things until I saw the gusts of 65. So I think I'm going to pass on it. But yeah, um, I'm curious if there are people out there that use this beautiful piece of gear and... Um, you know, by the way, when we cover gear, it's like, because everybody does it better than we do, but nobody does it like we do. <laughs> gear <laughs> reviews by Slasher. So yeah, this uh, this one that I posted here is uh, 77 centimeters wide, so it's massive. It's like two and a half uh, feet wide over your head. <laughs> I can see it like <laughs> in 65 mile an hour gusts, I can see somebody getting a cervical sprain as the wind whips your head back. So. Yeah. Yeah. No one, no, no serious hiker is going to wear one of those stomp. Oh, somebody was wearing them on the uh, Alzheimer's hike, so you better be careful. Who? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Umbrella hats. Right. Well, I, so you have your umbrella hats. I was, um, 
I was pulling up some info on backpacking. So I've been thinking about like my overnight trips that I got coming up this summer. So I pulled a list of the top 10 backpacks from Phil Warner's um, Section Hiker. And then Backpacker Magazine also has some recommendations. So both of them have the... So this is for backpacking. So this is for overnight. Most of these are going to be in like the 45 to 65 liter range um, mm-hmm. size-wise. So both of them have the... Backpacker Magazine has the editor's choice. And then Phil has... And Section Hiker has... This is his top choice, and he says the Osprey Exos 58. It's two pounds, 10 ounces, and they both have, I guess, yeah, they both have this as their top choice for backpacks. I haven't, I mean, I see Osprey all the time, so I'm assuming this is the one that everybody has, but I've, I have never used it. It's interesting to me that they're mostly hovering around 50 to 60 liters. Huh. Yeah. I still can't imagine doing that because I'm so used to the the space in my pack, you know, one fifteen, and even then it's like when I'm backpacking, it's just barely enough room for the stuff we bring. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a yeah. lot. Of, that's a lot of size. Mm. Um, next up is the Hyperlite Mountain Gear Southwest thirty four hundred pack, which is what I use. This is like a fifty liter, I think, or fifty five liter, and two pounds, two ounces, and. So Section Hiker has this one as their second recommendation. Uh, This is a unisex pack as well. So all the other packs I'm going to talk about come in men's and women's versions. Mm -hmm. Um, Backpacker Magazine, Hyperlite Mountain Gear does not come in at all, which is surprising, but I don't know. Maybe they didn't didn't pay the reviewers enough. So number three (laughs) is the Osprey Atmos uh, 65 liter. So this is almost a five-pound pack. And this is not on the Backpacker magazine. This is just on the um, Section Hiker. And then I'm going to go down the list quickly for the rest of these. So the REI Flash 55 is a 2-pound, 13-ounce backpack. I see these more and more. Uh, The REI Flash brand seems to be like their ultralight brand for tents and and hiking poles and, and backpacks and stuff like that. So this is a, this looks like a pretty cool pack actually that I might even consider grabbing in the future. But yeah. it's not on the Backpacker magazine either. They have um, Granite Gear, Z-Pax Arc Hall, Deuter Air Contact Ultra. So I have a Deuter backpack as well that's pretty good. These are all under like three pounds. The Z-Pax Arcall is actually one pound, five ounces, which is insanely light. Hmm. Um, and then they have the ULA Circuit 68 and the Gregory Focal. So I don't know if people have these backpacks or not. I don't know, Gwen, what do you have for a backpacking backpack? Uh, winter, I, I have a Hyperlite. Um, oh. What is it? Uh it's more of an ice climbing pack. Um, okay. Yeah, I know that version. I, but I it, it fits it. my, uh, for carrying snowshoes, it works really well. And then, yep. um, in the summertime, I, I actually have a vest, um, and you wouldn't believe how much stuff you can actually jam into the, uh, my, uh, ultimate direction vest. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I have one too. I have a fast pack yeah. 25 and I think I probably get about 50 liters worth of gear in that thing sometimes. You can shove so much stuff in those. So they look small, yeah. but you can, you can pack them pretty, pretty tight. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Stomp, your your giant one fifteen liter is what? What, what brand is it again? Uh, it's a Lowe's Alpine. Yeah, yeah. one hundred fifteen liter. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's expandable from ninety. So um, the bait, the, you know, the default is like ninety. And then you can pop up the the brain and make that even bigger. How much does that weigh, Stomp? That's a good question because I was looking at the weights of these, and so you know, the uh, I see one in there by Kelty that's five pounds, and that's an eighty liter. So I don't know. I'll I'll have to get back to you on that, but I would assume it's at least probably five pounds, maybe less. Um, we'll see. Stomp loves that backpack. And so you know what I like <laughs> yeah. about it is it's so recognizable. Like I can see him coming from a mile away, the blue and the black with the patches. So it's you it's easy to tell. You just see the pack. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, you half the time you don't know who it is. You can't tell from looking at the face. So, yeah. It doubles as a bivy. I could just sleep in it. Yes, exactly. You could wear that as your rain cover, you know, just throw you. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right. So it is uh, bike week. Stomp Ooh. is saying he's uh, he's losing his hearing. Everyone's driving <laughs> like maniacs on the road here. Uh, Mrs. Stomp wants a T-shirt. Stomp, you should get one of those T-shirts that says, if you can read this, my wife fell off the back. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, it's funny. We actually went down a couple nights ago and um, just to get a T-shirt. She just had it in her head to get one. So we went down and it was a good time. Um, it was actually really funny though, because a lot of those uh, vendors with the T-shirts, every there's like a hundred vendors down there, and they all say authentic, original, like <laughs> merchandise, like every single one of them. So you don't know which one is is the actual authentic, original merchandise. They all are apparently. Yeah. But uh, it was a good time. But yeah, I'm losing my hearing because I was in Lincoln all day on Main Street and. Man, all the people were heading over to Mount Washington to do the ride to the clouds or the sky, whatever they call it. And um, man, they were using the kank, and I'm, I'm like seriously deaf. It was the loudest day ever. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we'll all be happy that Bike Week is over. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, the rain's going to wash them out this weekend. You know, because this is their big weekend coming up. It is, yeah. Usually, they're all lined up on the Mount, on Mount Washington for the race to finish up, so they can all drive up. So yes. they won't they won't be able to go up. Uh, but good. All right. So then, uh, last weekend there was the longest day, forty eight peaks event for the mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. Uh, actually, it's technically on the twenty first, but they had their. Um, their after party ahead of the event on June 10th at Reckless Brewing. So there was a bunch of people out there hiking. I saw like three different crowds on Mount Hill because it was rainy and everybody sort of pivoted to go to safer routes. So Hill was a very popular hike on Saturday, but we went to Reckless Brewing afterwards. Stomp was spinning the tunes, getting the crowd going. There must have been, I've never seen Reckless that crowded. Yeah, that was a great time. It was really nice. Yeah, Floki yeah. was there, Mel was there, Eric Todd Sweet was there, mm. uh, all kinds of dignitaries. It was fun. <laughs> Diplomats. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. So I think they're on their way to reach their goal of 200,000 by August. So No doubt. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. So we've got, we'll do a, uh, an ad for them, but definitely sign up. There's not, it's not too late, and I think that they're well on their way. And uh, Reckless was an, uh, a great time. I, I, that place is the best to go to after hikes. Mm. Oh, it's the perfect location. Yeah. No question. All right. So next up, we've got um, a, a barefoot hiker here. What is yeah. this guy This is submitted by uh, GS Bar One. Thank you very much, Bar One. 
Okay. I got this yeah. sent by some, somebody sent this to me. I think John Hawk sent this to me as well. But um, so this guy is he's a barefoot hiker. Yeah, he's tackling the forty eight without any shoes. Pretty hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Until he stubs his toe, then he won't be so hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what his background is in particular, but there's a nice picture of him with his muddy feet. And um, yeah. yeah, I wish him the best, but that's a pretty novel idea. You know, I'm sure yeah. it's been done, but you never know. So his Instagram is long underscore brown underscore path, and he's known as Barefoot Ken, and he's done marathons, ultras, and he's a barefoot runner hiker, so. Huh. Uh, Three-season hiker, I would think. <laughs> I would think so. He's probably not doing much in the winter, but um, this was big. I remember barefoot hiking was like, a, a barefoot running was like a craze for a period of time after that book Born to Run came out. There was a bunch of people Correct. that would transition over. And uh, yeah, I think I tried it on the treadmill once, and I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> and I just gave up, And but this guy never gave up. Yeah. I I went through a phase with that too and I actually went from North Andover all the way to Lake um oh it's that lake in Haverhill. I forget the name of it. Winnie Winnie. Yeah, Winnie. And that was like a at least a fifteen mile run barefoot. No, it's definitely Winnikenny. It's got the castle up top okay. there and right. but um I went through that phase and um it's interesting. I mean, if you're really cautious about your form, you can pull it off, but you're just destined for trouble if you're you're going for the long haul with uh, barefoot running, I think. Yeah. So yeah, much well, impact. Maybe we'll get this guy on and find out what his deal is. He might be an interesting guest. So, Oh, yeah, um, sure. All right, next up, there was a story that came over uh, social media that I found interesting stomp for dog owners. So... Um, this owner had said that she was out hiking and she, she suspects that her dog got a hold of an edible, uh, pot candy on the trail. She thinks that maybe somebody dropped, uh, a gummy or something. Apparently these, these, these pot, I'm not a pot guy, so I don't really know how this works, but we've got a bunch of these stores now and they sell like candy and all this stuff that apparently has marijuana in it. And she's saying that her dog got a hold of one of these while they were hiking and um, got mm-hmm. really sick, and she, she just wanted to put a warning out to people that, like, if you're taking these things on the trail, we know we got some friends stomped that like to do this. Uh, just make sure that if you drop one, that you know, just consider that a dog or some other animal might get a hold of it, and it doesn't end well for the animals. Yeah, that's a shame. Hmm. Yeah. Some people were blaming the owner and saying, like, she needs to keep a better eye on the dog. But it's a dog. Dogs are going to eat stuff. <laughs> keep a better eye on your your yeah. drugs. I think <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what she said. She's like, like oh, right. I, I, I'm going to keep an eye on my dog. But, like, the dog's a dog. It's going to eat stuff. So it was funny. There was a couple of comments, too. Like, people were talking about how their dogs have got a hold of, like, people – you know, in their waist too close to the trail and, you know, they get sick that way. So there's all kinds of stuff out there. So you got to keep an eye on your dog, but also don't drop stuff on the trail. Your drugs. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Don't drop your drugs on the trail. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Keep your drugs on your person, you know, keep them in your ultra, you know, Gwen's got a big backpack. She can fit plenty of drugs. I could toss those right in there. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, Next up here, stop non-hiking related story, but interesting nonetheless. And we'll have to remember this story for Halloween. Harvard morgue manager. And I think these people are live in New Hampshire. So that's the connection. Um, they were charged with selling body parts. So apparently this guy was in charge of like the morgue. So when you, I'm not doing this first of all, but when you say I'm going to donate my body for scientific research, um, Mm -hmm. I just envision like, you know, a bunch of medical students with my body on a table standing around just judging me. So I'm not doing it. (laughs) But apparently Mm -hmm. like this guy had made a connection in like the, I don't know, freaks and weird artist type of community and he was selling body parts and Mm. one of the people that bought the body parts was a lady that owns a like a creepy thing store in salem mass and her niche is that she creates these like real life dolls for people to take home and like I don't know, they're like little like uh, werewolf dolls and things like that. And she was actually buying actual human faces and drying them up. And they think that she was like putting them on the dolls. So, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> it's it's a weird subculture. I know it's a business. It, well, a business in the sense of like the the illegal body parts thing going on in China with Falun Gong and all that. I'm not talking yeah. about that, but, and, and, you know, the, the troop that travels the world with their bodies, it's like an exhibit. You go see yeah. the bodies. There's yeah, a connection. Yeah. Okay. So they're connected to this as well. This is, this is a big rabbit hole that you got to check out. It's wild. It's crazy. So you've got that going on too, but I think the culture is just very strange and I'm sure you can meet all kinds of interesting people. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you this much. Like anybody that might have considered donating their body or their relatives' bodies for medical research are going to read a story like this and be like, absolutely not. <laughs> End up in downtown Salem for yeah. Halloween. Yeah, no. Your loved one. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> and then they, they there was an article too, and I'll post some of these articles in the show notes, but like one of the guys that was buying the body parts was one of these guys that has like the metal bolts that are like, embedded into his skull so he has these metal <laughs> horns coming out of the top of his oh head. Like, Anybody that's doing that, like they should have immediately arrested this guy because you know he's not up to any good. Um, <laughs> but, Jeez. you know, they, they've got him now. So uh, yeah. just a weird story that I wanted to include, um, Stomp. And I think we had some pop culture talk, but let's skip that because yeah, there's something new that developed on that whole story. We could talk about Conor McGregor, the US UFC fighter, <laughs> but there's late-breaking news on that that I think let's wait till next week. Yeah, um, sure. to talk about that because something weird came up. But okay. um, why don't we go right into your first sponsor? Sure, yeah. I was going to say, though, you should donate your toe. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes, we have a, a sponsor. The first one is CS Instant Coffee. Uh, CS Instant Coffee, your one coffee solution. Anywhere, anytime, search CS Instant Coffee. And... and you know, they we're gearing up for the backpacking season. So check out CS for uh, all your instant coffee needs. You can get your stickers at Ski Fanatics and Spinners off of Dascom Road in Andover. And uh, we have a coffee donation here. And this is from Christopher Walken. 
That's his real name. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> so <know>. funny. <laughs> Paquette. And uh, he donated three coffees. And, and in parentheses here, 15 bucks for each mile that he ran on the Chikora White Mountain Endurance Race. So thank you very oh, nice. much. <laughs> and uh, let's see, we have another sponsor before we get rolling here. So Valcluse Gear. Want ventilation and less sweat on your back when backpacking? Check out Valcluse Backpack Ventilation Gear. Back sweat sucks in all types of weather and hikes. It's uncomfortable and a risk factor causing your core temperature to fluctuate if it doesn't evaporate off your back. So Valcluse's Ultralight Ventilation Backpack Frame is an accessory that installs in your favorite pack, 18 liters to 55 liters, creating a ventilating airflow gap between you and your pack. They're releasing their Generation 2 frame now. It weighs only 4 ounces and handles the heaviest pack loads. Whether you are in hot or cold temps or have a pack with a curved frame, the Ultralight Ventilation Backpack Frame is slate. Oh, shit. <laughs> what happened, Stop? You messed I'm up doing, the, I messed up the vocals. Bryce is going to be upset. <laughs> I'm doing this off my phone, and my phone jumps when I do this with my little finger. So, okay. I, and I said a swear word. I apologize. So, <laughs> whether you're in hot or cold temps, or have a backpack with a curved frame, the ultralight ventilation backpack frame is a real game changer for ventilation and airflow. So, visit ValcluseGear.com to order a ventilation frame today. Valcluse is a fan and a sponsor of this podcast. Maybe not after this one. <laughs> not so much. Uh, use promo code SLASHER, S-L-A-S-R, for a $10 discount. There you go. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, sorry. Well, that was, that was yeah, a, amateur. Uh, quite a slip. Now I'm going to have to set an explicit rating for this, this episode. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, so um, yeah, Valcluse. Matter of fact, I used it again. Like I've been using it a lot, and my daughter uses it too. And, and we actually have the Ultimate Direction Fast Packs, the twenty-five liters. We both have the same pack, and I was actually checking. I was asking her, and then she was checking my back uh, when we got to Zealand Hut, and I was like, "Am I sweating? Can you tell? Can you?" And we didn't have anything. <laughs> We were fine. I was like talking to some other hikers. They were asking me, "What is that thing?" And I was like telling them. Um, so. I think hmm. I got a sale for for uh, for Valcluse. That's fantastic. Yeah, they're right. flying off the racks for sure. Yep. We get right, a so, uh, a notification every time one is sold, and um, I keep on getting emails. Like, wow, super cool. Actually, yeah, keep them coming. So, uh, beer talk here, Stomp. So, I'm still not drinking, but I did fall off the wagon. I had a beer at Reckless. They didn't mm-hmm. have carryout, so I got some kind of an IPA. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, oh, but yeah. you said you had several beers at Reckless? <laughs> I had, I think I had three or four. Yeah, so you had one. I had like three or four. And, wow. uh Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, I got, yeah, I'm trying to keep my weight above that uh, 200 mark. Damn, I'm not losing my... I'm not losing my Clydesdale status for anything. Um, what was that, Gwen? You're carb loading. You got a carb load for your uh, race. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> but it was a good time. I really missed um, not seeing Reckless Steve. He was out backpacking. Every time I, we're there, he's out doing something. And I don't know. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, good for him. I saw that, that he was going out a backpack, and so I figured he wasn't going to be there. But we did drink your beer, Steve, and we appreciate you. So yeah, hope to catch so up soon. Um, so stop recent hikes. Where you been? Anywhere? Oh, nothing. Nowhere. I'm just focusing on this crazy, crazy race, and it's over this weekend, so I'll be back to it. A couple more days. Okay. How Excellent. about you? 
uh, I did mount. So we were um, we were planning on going hiking. We wanted to uh, get out there, and then we were going to go to Reckless for the Alzheimer's um, celebration. So originally the plan was to do Kinsman's. The weather didn't look good. Then I was like, maybe we'll do Mount Carrigan. The weather didn't look good, so we changed it over to Mount Hill. Um, we had two cars, so I was like, why don't we? I'll, I'll drop my car at Hill Brook, and then you drop your car at Zealand. And mm-hmm. um, actually, we dropped at Card Zealand, then drove back down to Healbrook, and then started. And we did a little loop where we went up to Hill, and then down Lend a Hand, chilled out at the the hut for a little bit, and then went out the Zealand Trail and in Zealand Pond. And it was absolutely gorgeous. And started it was and hmm. the rain was ending when we started the hike. And then uh, by the time we ended it, it was like beautiful going through Zealand Pond and that area there with the. Um, the bog bridges and stuff was just unbelievable. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, that's yeah. great. But as I said earlier, I was coming down Lend a Hand, and I think what we were talking about, my, it was me, my daughter, and her boyfriend, and we were goofing around. And I think I asked her about, like, a song, and I thought that, like, this song was sung by the Arctic Monkeys because she's going to see them in concert. And then mm-hmm. she was like, no, that song's horrible, and it's not the Arctic Monkeys. And I was like, I thought it was the Arctic Monkeys. I don't know what it was and then I wasn't paying attention and I just literally slipped my foot just slipped down this rock about six inches but it slammed just at the perfect speed and I knew right away like my toe just started killing me but I didn't stop I was like I'm not gonna look at it I didn't do anything I just was like I'm gonna keep walking even though it hurts like (laughs) hell and I just went right to Zealand Hut and then after I sat down and I got up, it hurt way worse. So my advice to people is if you tweak an ankle or you do anything like that and you can move, like just keep moving even if it hurts like hell. Because I feel, I feel like once you stop, oh, it's yeah. way harder to like pick it up again. So just keep the adrenaline flowing and just get down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the swelling will kick in too. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> it was like, okay, then I get back to the car. And by the time I got back to my um, my my house, it was just black and blue and ugly. Mm. Oh, that's a shame, bud. Yeah. Well, Very good. It's all um, meant to be. Yeah. So why don't we skip the notable hiker stomp? We'll, we'll load those up for next week sure. and uh, get right to a couple of advertisers. And then Gwen is going to have her big moment. Yeah. So Seek the Peak returns this summer with the classic Mount Washington Hikeathon. This annual gathering of New Hampshire's hiking community is the nonprofit Mount Washington Observatory's largest annual fundraiser. Hikers raise funds, earn gear, and celebrate at our Apres hike party on September oh, on Saturday, July 15th with live music, food trucks, epic gear raffle, beer garden, vendors, and people who care deeply about the trails and an inclusive hiking community. It all takes place at the base of the Mount Washington Auto Road. Our hike and make friends option supports all ability levels, pairing hikers with similar goals for a trek that's right for you. All hikers are welcome to help raise funds for the observatory's summit weather station and services like the twice-a-day Higher Summits forecast, educational programs, and research in the White Mountains. Seek the Peak is sponsored by Great Glen Trails and Eastern Mountain Sports. Learn more and register to hike at Seek thepeak.org and then we're going to return to Baselate Coasters which I jumped in on earlier 
So Base Lake Coasters create unique, beautiful, functional, and expertly laser-engraved coasters with topographic maps of the 4,000-footers of New Hampshire and more. These coasters are handmade on Cape Cod from slate, quarried in the United States, and provide a durable and heat-resistant surface for your drinks. Each surface features intricate detailing of any mountain topography for the location of your choice. Base Slate Coasters will work with you on your custom hand-designed coasters for any street or topographic map. Let's just say anywhere on earth or beyond. So visit BaySlate.com today to explore a full range of topographic map coasters. Use the code SLASHER10, S-L-A-S-R-10, at checkout for 10% off of your first order. Yeah. Stop. I totally forgot too. I meant to tell you um, as you were doing the first set of sponsors that the clings are going out. So, Yo. Oh, good. And Excellent. we've got more of those. So I'll send a note out, but I've been like stuffing those in envelopes and getting them ready to go. So I apologize mm. for the delay, but um, life happens. I got a broken toe. <laughs> <laughs> You can't get to the post office. <laughs> I'm not moving as fast as I normally am here, so. Good hop. Slasher's Guest of the Week. Very cool. Very cool. Very, 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 very cool. Yeah. But, uh, all right, Gwen, so this is your segment here. So, um, are you excited? I am. I'm nervous. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> okay. You should be. You should be. We're going to grill you here. So, um, why don't we... Oh, so... I'll just give a little bit of background about what I know about Gwen. So Gwen, um, you know, we, we've had like Steve Mason on, we've had Eric Todd Sweet, I'm friends with like Mike and Jen Keen. So I've sort of known you because you sort of run in the same circles. I've seen you out hiking a couple of times. I think we ran into each other on um, the uh, Crawford Path coming up Mount Washington one time. I saw you um, heading up Mount Pierce over the winter, didn't get a chance to say hi because I was like with a whole bunch of people or whatever. But uh, you're out there all the time, so that's that's what I know of you. And we definitely wanted to get you on because you've come up like as we've talked to Steve and Eric and Jen and Mike. It sounds like you're like the main organizer on a lot of hikes and whatnot, and have a lot of <laughs> knowledge in you know different routes and, and you know different bushwhack slides, things like that. So we figured we'd get you on here and and, and find out a little bit more about yourself. So why don't you start off by introducing yourself and giving some background. Okay. Um, so I was uh, born and raised here in New Hampshire, um, grew up in Nashua. Um, and I never, I really didn't get into hiking until um, my early 40s. Um, I was a gym rat pretty much from my late teens um, into my 30s. Um, and I know from my IG, you saw I, I used to be into bodybuilding. Um, and that was sort of my, uh, and always will be my, my first love um, from a fitness standpoint. And then uh, after I had my daughter, uh, I tried, I went back and I was like, oh, I'll try competing again. And I did a couple of shows and um, realized that I, I didn't want my daughter to grow up thinking that, um, you know, 
that you should be judged based on you know your body because that's basically what bodybuilding is um so i it no longer held the same love for me working out still does i love to i love muscle but um just not that particular outlet um and then around that same time my daughter started going to a camp that i went to when i was a kid which was camp sergeant in uh, merrimack new hampshire and it reminded me of how much i loved being outside um, and that was just a, a part of my life that after, you know, I got into my teens, you know, and then, you know, I was into like big hair and uh, loitering at the local park and getting into trouble with my friends. Didn't really do much outside uh, except for that. And uh, so it just kind of reminded me of, of my love for, for being outside, for, for boating, um, for canoeing, um, all that stuff. So I started doing local hikes around um, my area, just like you know, Bear Brook, uh, Beaver Brook, um, nothing with any you know crazy elevation. Uh, and then a bunch of my gym friends had said, "Oh, like, let's go hike Chikora," and I was like, oh, "All right, let's let's go do that." And and at that moment, standing on the summit of Chikora, I just I realized this is this is my next my next thing that I want to do. Like I love hiking. I love being out here. Uh, and this is something I could do with my daughter. And, uh, the bug. and then from that on, I just literally like every weekend. So that was like in August of 2015. Um, I started going out and hiking. Um, and then I was scared of winter hiking. So I didn't hike that winter, but that's how I got into rock climbing was I decided Huh. Well, I, I don't. I'm scared to hike in the winter because I don't have any real experience with it. So I joined a indoor rock gym, uh, Vertical Dreams in Nashua, and uh, and started doing that. And also brought my daughter into that. So she's been oh, rock climbing since she was like eight years old. Okay. Um, and then eventually just met that group of people that you you mentioned. <laughs> And then, yeah. uh, and then really started getting into into the more crazier things. Great. And then did you start off sort of just focused on like, because most of us just sort of start off and say like, okay, I'm into it. Now I found out about the 4,000 footers and I want to do that. Or did you really care about the list at all? Or were you just more focused on other pursuits outside of the, the list. Yeah, exactly. So it started with the 48 and, um, I actually did a lot of solo hiking. So, um, when I started the 48, I had started with a couple of my girlfriends. Um, and then I did carry into winter after that, that was 2016. Um, and I figured I'm just going to keep going until I can't go anymore. So just, I'm just going to just keep trying, you know, and, um, and if I feel like, you know, I, I can't, I can't, you know, I have to stop for the season, I'll stop for the season, but I never had, I, I just figured out my layers, I figured out what I needed, um, and I ended up, you know, hiking throughout that whole winter, um, and that was for my 48, I was trying to knock out my 48 list, and that's when I met, um, like, Steve and Gavin and Eric, um, and then they helped me finish the remaining peaks on my 48, but then after that, I, I didn't, I didn't care about lists anymore, it was more... Oh fun stuff, slides, um, and things like that. 
Yeah. Do you generally get out most, do you do weekends or midweek hikes or do you get out like every week at this point? Yeah, every week. So, you know, I do work full time. Um, and, uh, I, I do have like specific goals of, of just personal goals for myself, just fitness type goals. I, uh, I tend to be very goal oriented. Um, and I like to have structure and consistency. Uh, so usually I will get out. Um, if I have a Friday off, um, I have a boss who's very understanding, um, because I do work sometimes on Sundays where I can get every other Friday off. So I'll try to go out then or on the weekend and, uh, do that. I call that my long hike. So, you know, when people train for a marathon, they have a long run. Um, that one day is kind of like my, my long run or long hike. Good. And when you first started, if you can think back, when you started doing solo hikes, not even the winter stuff, but just sort of the solo hikes um, and trying to dial in your gear, do you remember, like, did you learn more from just talking to people or did you just do your own research online? I love research. <laughs> I'm like, I love <laughs> to research. So um, I researched the heck out of everything. And when I was uh, going into winter hiking, um, I, I, that's exactly what I did. I didn't, you know, I would be part of the Facebook groups, but I, I knew, uh, right from the beginning not to ask questions. But I also knew how to search for things too. So it's really good that. Um, and I have to say, uh, <laughs> blogs were huge. So Steve Smith, a shout out to Steve Smith. Yeah. Um, his blog has, was was a huge um, help to me when I was searching for things. Um, same with Chris Daly. Uh, and then the um, uh, section hiker. Uh, yeah, Philip that Warner. You mentioned uh, Mike at the beginning. That was another tool that I used as well. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, I researched the heck out of everything. And I would, if I found, you know, this is the best boot, I would make sure that multiple places said that that was the best boot before I would go and buy that boot. Same with snowshoes. Um, and then obviously it's trial and error for layers. And that was a big thing of, okay, I went out and I'm cold. Um, so this isn't working. I need to find something else. Um, and then I found a system that really worked and it's actually a system that I've been using ever since. Um, yeah, and I think that the one thing that people will run into a little bit when they are a researcher, and I, I'm the same way, is that you can get analysis by paralysis or paralysis yeah. by analysis on, on things like that. Like you can overthink it. So there is a balance there where you do need to just at some point just cut it and make a decision and get out there and test things. Agreed. Yeah, you have to pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is good. So you, um, so you pretty quickly settled into your systems as far as winter hiking and summer hiking, and you you tend to go pretty well. I mean, you probably balance it out pretty good between safety and, and weight, but you you do some longer distance hikes. Can you talk a little bit about how you sort of came to the decision around, um, you know, what gear you use and your sort of tolerance for going a little bit lighter or or not? Yeah. So I and I do I do. Um so I get nervous about the cold for me, the cold, um, I, I, you know, I used to say, um, that it was my kryptonite, um, mm -hmm. but it's not my kryptonite cause I know I can, it doesn't, you know, beat me. So it's more my nemesis now. Um, <laughs> but I get nervous. So like, let's take last weekend, for instance, where we were doing a longer hike. I knew it was going to rain. I knew that the temperatures were going to be cooler. Um, and I did have my best, but I knew, 
what layers I needed to bring. And I brought multiple. So I had a soft shell. I had a rain jacket, a light rain jacket, had a smart roll shirt. I had two pairs of gloves. I had two pairs of um, socks to, um, that I could change out. I had my fleece hat. So things like that. If, if I couldn't have fit that in my vest, then I would have brought my bigger pack. So there's definitely, I'll definitely weigh out risk versus, um, you know, I don't need, if I'm going to die <laughs> because I pack too light, you know, then that's, then that's bad on me, you know. So I, I definitely try to weigh out what is a risk. And I just like, you know, you were saying earlier, I think Stomp had said, I don't just look at mountain forecast. You know, I don't just look at um, the, the observatory. I also look at the local weather, uh, which is what I've been doing pretty much this whole week, planning out my hike, you know, for tomorrow is, okay, well, what's it saying on the higher summit forecast? Now, what's it saying in the town, you know? Mm, um, yeah. And just taking every single factor uh, in for my planning of how am I going to pack? What am I going to bring? Um, it, it, do I have a, ha a hike where I can loop it somehow, or I can uh, get back to my car in the middle of the hike so that I can have things there as well. Um, and then always looking at, um, bailouts. So I love also mapping hikes. So I love looking at how things connect, but I also like to know if I need to bail, how can I bail? And I'm mm -hmm. constantly thinking about that as I'm going through my hikes is, okay, if this happens, I know that I can go down here and I can take this path to get here. Um, and just always keeping those things in the back of my head, you know, the what ifs. Um, and so I pack according to that. And so, yes, I do pack lighter, I think, than, um, you know, someone who, then, then not most people, because I do actually have, you know, the essentials of what I need, always have mm -hmm. a filter um, always know where my water sources are, uh, and aware of whether there's low water. So sometimes I've been out there in July where, you know, typically the water source is plenty and then you get there and there's minimal water. Um, mm -hmm. so planning out those types of things. Sure. Yeah. Um, one question. So we have a lot of seasoned hikers that listen to the show as well. And I'm kind of in this boat right now. And it's, it's been easier for me because like my daughter's pursuing the 4,000 footer list. So essentially like my hikes are, if, if she's involved, then it's just like, okay, where do we need to go to get one of your list? Either the 4,000 footers or 52 with the views. And then if not, then I just, I, I'll wing it. I'll go up to Evans notch or something like that. I'm kind of got my eye on Grafton notch this summer, but um, can you talk a little bit about how you come up with ideas for fresh hikes, considering like you've been in a lot of areas around the whites and how do you keep it so that you don't get bored? Yeah. And that is definitely getting harder because, um, I have done a lot of the, uh, you know, different routes that I've sort of mapped out before. Um, but I'm always trying to obviously look at for difficulty level um, and then trails that I haven't hiked before or trails that I love, um, like where you go, Evans Notch. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've been in the Wild River Wilderness that much, but, you know, that area is outstanding and it's beautiful and you hardly see anybody when you're in there. Um, so things I'll look at an area like that and then, you know, pull in like the bald, the bald faces, you know, with Eastman and then, but dipping down into the, the wild river, you can go back up on the other side to the Carters and, um, <laughs> Just looking at That's how different things connect. Like I love, I love maps. I love route making. I love researching 
again. <laughs> and that's what I'll do. I'll look at, okay, what area do I want to be in and what, what can I like connect together and, and, and make it a loop so I don't have to car spot. Um, yeah, to make yeah. it interesting and then and to see different things and then obviously you're gonna still repeat stuff but if you can do it from a different angle like I last weekend um, my friend Stacy and uh, Ryan came with me and they had never been on Twin Brook Trail um, and they had never been on the other side of uh, Lincoln Brook Trail you know and that's a beautiful section of the PEMI and um, mm. so just you know getting into those those areas where most people don't necessarily go because it, it's not part of a list, you know, unless you're, uh, you know, doing all the, the trails and the whites. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk, actually, I got a question about that particular area there. So I think like Mason was on and we talked about this a little bit, but like you guys, I believe had bushwhacked up into that sort of Hellgate ravine and that area there to approach West Bond. Have you, have you done that? Did you go yeah. there with him? Yep. That was guitar slide. Um, that was probably the, the top of that, that bushwhack um, on West Bond was probably one of the worst and the thickest. I mean, there was like moose poop all over the place. I'm like, how could a moose possibly get through here? Cause it was so thick. But yeah, we did that one. We did the guitar slide, and then uh, just over the this past fall, um, we did uh, – it's but behind Bearbrook, so it takes you up to Geo. There's a slide. Uh -huh. um, nice. And we actually – so I used um, LIDAR to find some of the old logging roads that are back there, like in the PEMI itself, that sort of yep. led up to that area. So instead of just following Franconia Brook, we actually cut up to follow some of those old uh, logging roads, just, you know, to see, even though you know, we could have followed Franconia Brook, would have been a little bit easier, but we, we saw remnants of the old railroad that was there as we That's were awesome. walking through. Yeah, I've run into that as well, like coming down the Lincoln slide and like bushwhacking over to Franconia Brook. And there are like, yeah, there, there's like these like skid trails where, um, yeah, they would use like carts or whatever to to get the logs out to the railroad sections, and uh, it's it's just wild in there. But so what you're saying though is you actually went in past Franconia Brook and went in up into that section between like Galehead and Guillot. There's slides back there that you can climb. Yeah, so if you if you yeah. drop in, <clears throat> you can either drop in through. Um, uh, Lincoln Woods, or you can come from Galehead, drop down Twinbrook or uh, Franconia Brook into the Pemi, um, follow Franconia Brook, and then there's a, uh, a Bear Pond. You have to bushwhack yep. to it. Um, so behind Bear Pond, you can see those slides too. Um, right. Actually, you can see them from... Um, I think you can see them from the twins also. Stacy wanted me to show her where where they yeah. were. Um, but yeah, there's, and it was probably one of my favorite slides just because of the view from the slide, uh, was mm. pretty amazing into the PEMI. I mean, I don't know. I, I love the PEMI. I'm sure you guys love the PEMI as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it just gave me, it just gives you a great perspective, um, of that area. It was beautiful. Yeah, no, it's it's a great area. I haven't been that far in, and I got to get down there by like Thirteen Falls and that whole area ah, too. I haven't beautiful. gone over on that. I haven't gone down the Twinbrook section, but um, I I got that on my list for sure. So that's interesting. But do you are, do you continue? So you continue to do these slides and sort of these deeper 
hikes um, as of now, or did you, or have you sort of stayed away from them? Like, because I do feel like some of them are like you know bushwhacks. Stomp loves them, but I'm not a huge fan because. I don't like to get stuck in the deep brush, so I get nervous that I'm going to get like get myself in over my head. I do. I do still do. I haven't. So I, in the fall, it's great to do it because um, you know, the leaves are falling off of the trees, so you can kind of you know see a little bit better, um, and you're not. Well, we're right now as everything's sort of filling in, it it, it does get a little bit harder. Um, and I I haven't done them because of you know the snow had lingered for a while, uh, but definitely one I do love bushwhacking. Um, I do love going out where to places where other people haven't gone. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would definitely I'll definitely be back out there uh, um, doing that. And what was I going to say? Oh, so, but it's funny because my daughter has done some with me um, and we did, we did one on um, Mariah. It's Peabrook slide. Mm-hmm. Um, Stump, have you heard of that one? I haven't. No. So that one is, it's fairly new. I think it just happened a couple of years ago. One of the storms. Really? Yeah. Wow. And you can see, so it's really cool because at the bottom of it, you can see the devastation of all the trees that, that sort of came down. They're all like piled up. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah. So my daughter and I did that this summer for her to get Mariah. Um, and you know, she's, she's great. She's, she can navigate as well. So she was navigating up the slide um, we found a lot of cool black tourmaline. We found a huge chunk of black tourmaline um, that I wished I could have taken with us, but it would have just been way too much to carry. Just put it in your daughter's backpack. She would have. <laughs> she would have. She would have. She's great like that. But it was funny because so we're doing the we're now we're in the whack. So we we got to the top of the slide. We're in the whack. We're going through the woods, and uh, and I'm trying to like break branches and and you know just so that they're not getting in her face. And then all of a sudden she's like mom and i'm like what you know she's like can you stop doing that and i'm like what she's like would you stop breaking the branches and i'm like oh i'm just you know trying to help you out she's like every time you break that it goes into my eye <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm Oops. <laughs> yeah yeah so so that was good and i do like to torture her like that with the with the bushwhacks because definitely by the end she's kind of like all right I'm, this is you know i'm done with this but <laughs> did she take to the hiking right away or was it a, yeah. like, cause my daughter, like, I feel like they, they all like all three of them did it because they want, you know, they, they wanted to do stuff with us. And then over time, like my two youngest weren't that into it. My oldest one was like, yeah, I'll do it. But like, I don't think she was that into it. She's now into it. And I don't know what I did to get her into it, but like, I, I'd be curious, like what your daughter's evolution was like. Same thing, Mike. So <clears throat> when I first started, um, I would just, bring her with me and I'd be like oh okay we're gonna go do a hike and you know we did I think uh Arethusa Falls she did with me and she did uh um uh Lonesome Lake and yep. then uh her first 48 was Moose and yeah there was there was tears sometimes there was uh uh definitely I would be like hey you want to go hiking she would be like uh well if I say no I still have to go anyway <laughs> kind of a thing <laughs> and um, <laughs> so but like awesome. I think I think the great thing about it was um, they learn how to deal with hard things. So mm. it to me it was the best possible thing I could have done for my daughter in the sense that 
um, through that whole process of times when she would get upset and she would cry or, you know, she would get through it. And at the end of the day, it wasn't, it didn't matter that she cried. It didn't matter, you know, what happened and what mattered was she did the work and she, she completed it and she was tough enough to, to get through it. And I think she figured that out too, because as time went on, she would get better at, um, when we would, we would do hard things, she would get better at, okay, I'm frustrated right now. This is hard. I'm not, I'm, I'm angry. Um, you know, but instead of complaining about it, she was sort of like, okay, let me process this. Let me get through this. And then she'd be okay. And, you know, she was able to appreciate the hike itself. And as it, as time went on, she got better and better at that, which I think, you know, sets, sets the kids up, sets us up, right, for being yeah. better in our lives, for dealing with, with tough things, you know. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said for sure for, especially because these kids are, you know, like when we were younger, I feel like we could shut it down for the, you know, we get home from school and it was sort of like, you know, everything's shut off. You don't know what's going on in the world. Same with the weekends, but they're constantly connected. And I think that, you know, the anxiety level in young people right now is probably higher than it was when we were that age. And I think there's just something to be said for them facing adversity and, and, realizing that yeah you know there i can do tough things because i i feel like maybe they're not as exposed as we were back then so i agree and that that's that was i remember we did washington her first time up washington i i think i think she was she was nine ten and uh it was hard and we were she did great she got up there and then we're coming down and you know that's the tough you've done the tough stuff you just want to yep. get back to the car you know and so she was having a hard time with it and she was crying and 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 you know i'm like i have a hard time with that because i'm like you know there's nothing i can there's nothing you can do you yeah. have to oh, get and down. you blame yourself you but it's like a, you, know. you have to get down you know and it's so it's like <laughs> Uh, when we got back to the car and then she felt bad about getting upset. And I said, you know, I just explained to her that what she, she did know, like what she accomplished was the same as what everybody else accomplished on that mountain. Everybody climbed that mountain. Everybody accomplished getting that summit. The only thing that was different was the way she chose to experience it. So you could either, you know, say, okay, this is where I'm at, you know, and I'm not going to allow myself to get upset about it. You know, I'm going to be able, I'm going to deal with it and I'm going to enjoy the time that I'm out here or you can get in your head and get upset about it. And I think actually that was a moment where things started to sort of shift for her, where she started to say, like started to check herself before she started like spiraling and on other hikes and uh, which is a life skill, right? Because in our professional lives or everyday lives, you know, we have to deal with things like that. And, um, right. you know, that just teaches you to be stronger and, uh, to, and to, to be able to handle those types of things. Yeah. That's and cool. I think as time goes on to the more successes they have, the easier it is to sort of point back to those successes to say like, look, you know, you climbed Mount Washington when you were 10 or nine, yeah. you know, you're having a bad day on Musilaki at 14. Like that's not a big deal. So, exactly. yeah. um, so it works, but yeah, no, I got the boyfriend tagging along now. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, Oh great. I'm, I'm dating the family that does the 5k on Thanksgiving and does the hiking stuff. Like, Oh, what do I got myself into? So. And if your daughter's tough, he has to be tough. He can't 
can't complain, right? <laughs> well, yeah. So they're hiking this weekend and my daughter had like, so he didn't bring a backpack. So we had two backpacks and um, my daughter was like, I'll carry the backpack. And then as we were coming up Hailbrook, you know, it's not a hard hike, but it's just, it's a steady grind. Yeah. She's carrying the heavy pack and he's not carrying anything. And then she's kind of dragging behind a little bit. And I think he realized where to go. He's like, let me take the backpack. I was like, that's a good choice. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, so, but he did great. He was, uh, he loved it. So, um, that's awesome. You know. Yeah. Um, all right. So a couple of other questions that I had for you when, um, I had, to, I talked about this for a couple of weeks. Like I've gone through like a, I got a little heavy over the winter and the fall. I was eating too much junk food. I've gotten myself sort of back into shape, uh, with a diet and, and getting my exercise routine sort of balanced out. But how do you maintain between sort of the gym rat work and the, the hiking and cardio activity? Um, as you get older, have yeah. you had to change your fitness routine, your diet routine? Can you talk a little bit about how you sort of stay healthy? And then also, have you faced like slowing down a little bit and sort of had to face the reality of like, getting you, know, old. you can't do the things, <laughs> yeah, you can't do yeah, the right. things that you used to do as much as you used to. Uh, yeah. So it's funny. Um, when I did compete, uh, my coaches were like, don't do cardio. So uh, before I couldn't necessarily do cardio because my metabolism my metabolism was pretty fast and if i gained weight it would be like in my my stomach and not my ex, you know my arms or my legs so cardio was always out for me so i was never was never a runner never a hiker nothing it was all just lifting weights um so that's funny that this is where i'm at now in my life um which i think part of that too is getting older and then now at this stage of my life kind of needing that um as you know an extra thing but yeah, so staying, I mean, I, I'm a creature of habit. I'm a, I am like definitely probably one of the most consistent people you'll ever meet in your life. Um, I eat pretty <laughs> much the same thing like every day, uh, except on the weekends or when I'm hiking. Um, and obviously it's just, you have to have a, I don't like staying diet because really it's a lifestyle, right? Yep. So like whatever you choose, it has to be sustainable and you have to ask yourself, is this sustainable? Can I do this forever? Um, and if you can't, then, you know, it's probably not the right thing for you. Um, you know, like sometimes it's just take a few drinks soda. It's saying, okay, I'm going to go to diet soda, you know, just take that sugar out, you know, and that's something I can do consistently and, and it will save me, you know, X amount of calories a day. Um, but it's always about just being, asking yourself, is it sustainable? Is this, is what I'm doing? Cause it's a lifestyle change, not like a diet in the moment is what it should be. And then mm -hmm. that's, that's how you'll, you know, it'll, it'll stay consistent and obviously getting enough protein, eating the right carbohydrates, uh, but eating carbohydrates, eating fat, not cutting those things out of your diet because they are key, especially if you're running, you, you definitely need mm -hmm. those carbs. Um, mm -hmm. And then you need the protein. And, um, and that's pretty much what I've done is just kind of follow that through. And yeah, and I can, as I get older, uh, entering this next phase of my life, <laughs> I guess, yeah, you do start <laughs> to see things. I wake up in the morning and I have to walk sideways down the stairs because I, I, my bedroom's the stairs and, uh, until everything starts to sort of warm up and then I can move <laughs> at a regular <laughs> pace. Um, yeah. but I do abuse the hell out of my body every day, so um, I guess that's on me. I'm afraid to stop too. Cause just like you said, Mike, like if you stop, right. And then, then everything starts to hurt. 
So I feel yeah. like if I stop, then everything will start to hurt forever. So yeah, yeah. You know when I realized that, like the age thing for me, or like the it was the drive. You know, the two hour drive home. Sometimes a lot of times I'm going over to Maine, so it's not that lot. But if I got a two hour drive home into the Massachusetts, it, you know that dreaded like pulling in, <laughs> pulling into the driveway, and then it's like getting you know out. getting out of the car after a long hike. You're like, oh, it's the worst pain. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I call the dogs over. Can I jump on your back? Can you ride to the door? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So I definitely have those those pains, and uh, yeah. All right. So uh, a couple more questions for you. So the long stuff, the presidential traverses, the Pammy loops, the um, you know, whatever Kilkenny Ridge stuff. Um, can you talk a little bit about like how frequently do you do those sort of long single day crazy hikes and then any tips or advice for like a Pemi loop or a presidential traverse for one day uh, trips? Yeah. So now I'm uh, in that phase of the, of my training where I've been trying to get um, those big hikes once a week. Um, I know it's crazy, <laughs> um, but I do, I also, um, I do train during the week as well. So I think stop, you're doing the up and downs on, on Welch. Is that where you're doing your up and downs? I was, uh, then I shifted over strictly to roads, uh, you know, the Waterville estates. And, um, I actually ran up to the high point as you're heading up. Um, what is it? Um, Instead of going to Lost River, you head left um, up towards R- Ravine Lodge towards Moose. So I ran up to the high point past, uh, you know, Weedamoo uh, or Walker Brook, I think it is, where the bomber is. You know, that long stretch. I know like exactly what you're miles. talking about. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm mixing it up, stuff like that. Yeah. Especially where the road race is on a road. So it makes sense. That you Correct. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so that's the kind of stuff I'll, I have uh, this little, um, very unimpressive hill. Uh, near my house, it's about a hundred feet invert. It's about uh, 0.15 miles up, uh, so 0.3 miles out and back, uh, and that's that's where I train. And so I'll train on that during the week just to sort of keep my endurance up um, and just to keep my body uh, conditioned for bigger things. And then hmm. I'll do that long hike uh, on the weekend. Um, preferably on a Friday so that I, I have that whole weekend to do whatever I want to do. Um, but, uh, and yeah, so then I do those and then, uh, for advice, um, I think, so the big thing, and I'm sure both of you can attest to this when you've done long hikes is, uh, time on trail is what gets you right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, any way that you can kind of, uh, reduce that time on trail. So just being efficient on the, the areas where it's flat uh, so that you move a little bit faster in those areas, just to make up, I'm not saying you have to be a trail runner. I'm not a trail runner. I don't look at myself as being someone who's super fast or anything like that. I just, I look at myself more as someone, you know, as an endurance athlete. Um, mm-hmm. and, it. Uh, and, and part of that is being very aware of time on trail um, and then trying to be as efficient as possible in the areas that I know I can move fast on. And I think if more people did that, um, that they could get through some of these harder things uh, that they don't think that they can get through. It's just 
being efficient in the areas that they can that you can be efficient because everybody can kind of move fast on the flats, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I know downs sometimes like Percy Traverse downs you can't necessarily move fast because of the rocks. Um, I'm a klutz, so <laughs> me moving fast <laughs> on the rocks, I'm gonna like face plant. Um, done it a few times, <laughs> caught myself before I did actually face plant. Um, but like pennies where you have the the softer ground. Um, and I think just trying to reduce that the time on trail, because that's, it's a psychological thing. You're out there, the longer you're out there, uh, the more tired you get, the more mentally tired you get. Uh, so the more that you can reduce that time by just being efficient on the areas that, you know, you can be efficient on is will help, help you get through that and, and make it less painful. And then do you do any backpacking overnight stuff? I haven't. I want to. uh, Right before COVID, I actually bought a bunch of stuff because my daughter and I were going to go out and try try doing some backpacking because, you know, we have friends that do it. Um, And then uh, once that happened, uh, my daughter for a little while kind of lost interest in in hiking that first year, that 2020. And then that's when I started going kind of crazy with the uh, – you know, elevation and going up and down hills and stuff. Um, but I definitely would like to do that with my daughter. Um, and I have my friend, Mandy Kane, um, she's really into backpacking. Um, and her and I have talked about it, about her taking my daughter and I out, you know, so that we can you know test the waters and do it right and have all the right stuff. Nice. Do it. Yeah. And then uh, any close calls, any calamities on the trail, any times where you thought, like, I'm going to have to call 911 to get my ass hauled out of here? Uh, uh, I can tell you about a really uh, crazy one that we did do. I was with Steve Mason, um, and we had done this crazy thing in the Wild River Wilderness, so um, basically went up Wildcat. We did a a cat to um mariah traverse but then drop down into the wild river wilderness to come back to go back up um wildcat a um and then it was going to start raining and so we're on um wildcat d right that's the ski one we're on wildcat d and we're like you know what it's going to start raining we shouldn't go down the wildcat ridge trail because that's where, where our uh our car was parked. So we had this brilliant idea to um, head right down a black diamond trail underneath the tram because <laughs> we could see the parking lot. So, hey, yeah. it can't be that difficult, right? Steep, right? Whoa. <laughs> Not even like literally <clears throat> cliff boulders, right? That you can't see because it was overgrown with grass. Yes. And, um, so Steve's like, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go get the car and then I'll, you, then you just come. He's like, I'm just going to run down this hill and then, <laughs> uh, then, then I'll meet you at the bottom. So I can't see him now. He's gone. And, but at that point he's down and he realized he's not off the mountain, but he's down far enough where he can't see him anymore. And he realizes, oh, F, I, I don't know if I can swear, um, this was not a good idea. And uh, this is re- this this is really tough. There's like boulders. You're falling through uh, in between these big boulders into water, and uh, oh, man. and so I literally and it started. It did start raining on us too. We're <laughs> coming down, and um and like I swear, Mother Nature loves to mess with me. So uh, and she does <laughs> it to me all the time. And I'm just sitting. I'm like, okay. Like I literally like just looked at the sky and I was like, all right, like I, I get it. I give up. White flag, like <laughs> just 
get me off this mountain alive, please. And uh, I think mm. I cried. <laughs> so, oh, man. But, but we did make it down and um, we did survive. But uh, that was definitely probably, that was beyond type two fun. I'm going to say it was probably type three fun. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was not our best choice. But that was, I mean, we've done a lot of crazy stuff. But I think for the most part, um, again, like I, I, I'm, I'm a researcher, but I am very logical too. And, uh, and I do, I'll take risk, but it, it's not, it's measured risk. And, uh, so most of the time, whatever situations we get into, um, it's not, uh, we know what the risk is and we know when it's, when we're not comfortable with it and when it's something that we can't handle. Um, but that was probably the one time that we really made a really dumb mistake and, uh, mm. we're lucky that nothing bad happened. All right. Well, my last question, and then Snop, you may have some stuff you want to cover, but the the Lowell shoot. So this is yeah. the section across from. Uh, this is in Kerrigan Notch. So this is across from Mount Kerrigan, Lowell, Lowell Mountain. It's got a shoot slide that is notoriously difficult. Stomp yeah. and Casey and Jimmy Chaga had done it once, I believe. Have you have you done it with Mason? Yeah. So I so I think the difference, um, Stomp, with us was mm-hmm. we did it was it end of May, I think, or not end of May, beginning of May. Um, so there was still some ice. Yeah. There. Sure. Um, and I think that actually worked in our favor to some extent okay. because the, so the, it was loose, but it wasn't fully dry. So I don't think, um, you know, when you go up the watcher and the watcher has like, you grab onto something and you're like, oh, there's my handhold now in my hand and no longer connected to the thing, right? So, so, so yes. we didn't get a lot of that on, on that when we were doing it. And it felt a lot like the watcher to me, but an extended watcher. So interesting. I mean, you were like, it wasn't that short, short little spurt. It was longer. Um, sure. And then we did get to one section. Um where there was ice, um, but we were able to navigate around it. But I do think, uh, I, I, I thought it was great. It was definitely, it was definitely sketchy, but I never at any point felt, um, I was in danger and Steve Mm -hmm. did have a rope. We didn't use it, but he had it just in case we needed it. Um, and again, I do think that the, having it be frozen worked in our favor. Um, however, when we had to do the whack off of it, oh. it did not work in our favor because it's a tough only, whack out. Not only was it a thick whack, it's we tough. were post holing like crazy because there was still snow, uh, snow in there. But um, oh, wow. yeah, so that one I didn't. I, I maybe at a different time of the year would have like maybe July or when it's warmer and drier out, it would have been you know a little bit more sketchy for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the that because it was there was a lot of frozen ice that it actually worked in our favor but not enough to make it slick climbing up but just enough to sort of keep um all that rock sort of binded did um did you have any snow build up to lessen the height of some of those pitches that you have to climb uh only there was one um pitch that was i don't want to say it was flat because it was sort of angled there was some uh ice and snow build up on that section, but it was avoidable. And we did actually have our spikes on while we were climbing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm. Did you wear climbing shoes with spikes? No, I just had the spikes. 
Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I love that spot. It's such an amazing view of Carrigan. It really is unique Wicked. looking through that gully. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, good yeah, for you guys. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was definitely cool. I, the, so have you done Landslide Gully? No. After Lowell shoot, I sort of lost my nerve <laughs> for all that stuff. I got to be honest, Gwen. Yeah. Uh, but I, really I, cool. I always have the itch to do something like that. I, I can't lie. But I'm like, oh, I don't know. That one is gorgeous. There's a section mm-hmm. on Landslide Gully where you feel like you're in like like those uh, like the Greek arenas, just the way that the rock um is broken down. It looks like steps. It's, it's sure. beautiful. Yeah, it's very cool. Hmm. Yeah. Now you've done, um, what is it, Lincoln's Throat with the big head wall there? Yes. How's that? Yeah. That was really cool too. That was, um, that was, I think it's like a five, six pitch up there. Okay. It's always wet. Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of sucks. But uh, we had, we had a good, so I think actually there was only four of us out of our group that uh went up that section it was gavin steve and tracy morgan um mm-hmm. was it little squirt her trail name? uh that yes. went up the <laughs> that section and it's funny so eric eric was with us eric todd sweet and uh he was so he gets sketched out so don't let him tell you he does <laughs> so he, he went to go this is funny he went to go around it right but mm-hmm. he got stuck in an area that was even more sketchy than, <laughs> than the Lincoln's Throat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he was freaking out. And uh, somehow he got off of that. And then they had the people who didn't, who went around it, had a wicked nasty whack to uh, to get to the t- to where we were. But um, yeah. yeah, that one wow. was really cool too. Amazing. So you, you're training for what? What are your goals for the summer? <laughs> I, so... I, like honestly, there's a couple things that I I, I want to do, and I, I hate saying it because I I feel like if something happens and I don't do it, then I haven't really committed to it. Um, so, but it's more all I all I ever try to do it's just continuous improvement, just continuously yeah. trying to be better than I was before, and just continuing to see how far I can push myself. And I, I really, I like to torture myself. I'm dead serious <laughs> because mm-hmm. it humbles me and it, it, it makes me realize uh, like, you know, last weekend I was saying that to my friend Stacy, you know, I'm like being out in this where mother nature is beating the crap out of us. You know, she's, she's throwing everything. She's throwing hail at us. She's throwing rain at us. She's doing whatever she can to make this miserable, you know, and, uh, and we're getting through it, you know, but it's humbling. It's humbling because, you realize like you're just a small speck, you know, and that you're, yeah. you're really insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Um, and then if you can just, you know, push through stuff and that, that's all, that's all I really try to do is just, I just want to see how far can I push myself and um, you know, wh- where is that line for me? And uh, if I can keep pushing it out uh, and I can keep getting stronger, mentally stronger you know, cause that carries through again, it carries through in my professional life because everything that I do, you know, at work, it's stressful. Um, but doing stuff like this, you know, reminds me, Hey, I can get through hard things. And then when I get to work and I'm faced with, you know, this, this big problem, um, I, I don't sit there and say, Oh, I, I can't do this. You know, I know, mm-hmm. okay, well let, let me think this through. You know, I know there's a way that I can, I can figure this out and I can get through it. And there is always a way. And so doing stuff like this, um, you know, 
makes me stronger uh, mentally and, and reminds me that there's always a way. Like if you, if you, if you have a will, then there's a way and you can find that way, you know? And, um, so that's, mm-hmm. that's all I try to do is just keep pushing myself further and further. Jeez, yeah. look at you. I'm like, yeah. I'm just constantly quitting stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do it. My toe hurts. I'm done. But no, it's, it is true. I mean, you just got to keep pushing. And, push. um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's inspiring. So, but this is great, Gwen. We appreciate you uh, joining us and talking about all your adventures here. So, you know, I think there's a lot that people can learn and, um, you know, you've got an Instagram page. I know we can we can link that up. Um, do you do any blogging or anything like that, or is everything secret? Nope, I'm just a uh, just a regular chick. <laughs> All right. We can see you out there, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll post your Instagram if people want to check out your photography and stuff like that. But we're gonna we're gonna move on to um, our next segment, which is recent search and rescue news. So we want you to hang out, give give you a commentary on some of these these. Uh, crazy happenings and search and rescue news but stomp i think we've got to do an advertisement first right yes 48 peaks alzheimer's hike to fight alzheimer's with 48 peaks a fundraising and awareness event for the alzheimer's association hike one of new hampshire's 4,000 footers or create your own adventure consider joining us this summer or during the fall fall foliage season (laughs) sorry i'm tongue-tied today (laughs) together we will paint the mountains purple and raise vital funding to advance the care support and research efforts of the alzheimer's association our hope is that one day alzheimer's will be nothing but a memory learn more at alts.org right slash 48 peaks Excellent stop. So I guess your phone reading system has to be revamped a little bit. You have to print those out and put them on paper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, with like massive big font so I yes. can see it better. And yes. Sucks oh getting old. It does. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. <laughs> All right. So stop. We've got um, national search and rescue news here, international. So we got an mm-hmm. update on the four children that went missing in the jungle. Um, the president of Colombia had said that they were found and then he did a whoopsie and a retraction and said they weren't actually found. But then fast forward a couple of days later, the four children who went missing after the, the plane crashed in, in the Amazon jungle last month have been found alive. The youngest of the four children um, was just 11 months old when the aircraft crashed. So the kids endured the elements for nearly six weeks. And the Colombian military announced the news in a tweet on Friday night, sharing images showing the children alongside soldiers and rescue personnel. So the four siblings were reportedly spotted near the boundary between Colombia's um, Guavere and Caquita provinces, not far from the crash site of the single-engine Cessna, which went down rapidly on May 1st. The children's parents and the pilot were killed in the accident, and their bodies were found near the plane, which had suffered an engine failure. But the children's age 13, 9, 4, and 1 heal from an indigenous 
Hutoto people who are native to Southern Colombia and Northern Peru. So the official said the two older kids had some experience surviving in the rainforest and suspect that their skills may have helped them brave the ordeal. So mm. um, 150 soldiers took part in the sprawling search operation as well as helicopters and other military aircraft. So that is pretty amazing. Mm. Well, you see the last line here. Search teams also used loudspeakers to play a recorded message from the children's grandmother telling them to stay put, hoping they would be more receptive to a familiar voice. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. 11-month-old. So that's like that 13-year-old had the weight of his uh, weight of the world on, on their shoulders, boy or girl. I don't know days. if it was a sister or brother, but that is yeah. a great story. We uh, usually don't have the good ones, but that was a good story. Yeah. It's a long time for kids to be out there surviving. I wonder how they did it. I mean, maybe they had some food from the the crash. They had the, you know, they're native to the area and uh, clearly they had some knowledge and skills. But I mean, you got to imagine there's all kinds of creepy crawlers in the, the, like, how do you not get bitten by a snake or a scorpion or something? (laughs) It's an amazing story. Yeah. All right. So next story here is a sad one. A California woman fell to her death on Thursday after she lost her footing while reaching out to help a teen who had slipped on the ledge of a waterfall. So Stomp, we cover a lot of stories about people that slip and fall and actually, you know, a lot of fatalities around waterfalls. So I think if you're going anywhere on an elevation where there's a waterfall, that usually means wet rocks. That means you can slip. That means you got to pay attention. So this was a 48-year-old woman. She was supervising a group of four teenagers just before 10 a.m. at Three Sisters Fall in the Cleveland National Forest in Descanso when the accident occurred. So this is near San Diego County. Mm-hmm. Um, so the group was hiking along the ledge of one of the falls when one of the teens slipped. The supervisor uh, attempted to keep the girl from going over the ledge, and unfortunately, both the woman and the girl fell and suffered severe injuries. So the teen uh, was a family friend who landed in the bottommost pool. So the the victim and the teenager, uh, they landed in the bottommost pool of water after plummeting from the ledge. There were bystanders who witnessed the fall, and they, they began CPR on the victim until first responders were able to arrive. The teen did survive the plunge, and but was airlifted to the hospital for severe injuries. So mm-hmm. um, cause of death, blunt force injuries uh, to her chest and right, right pelvis while drowning. Um, death was ruled an accident. So sad story. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. So you got to be careful around waterfalls and ledges. No question. Like people leave, let their guard down and they... they they get in trouble quickly. Yeah, it happens up here quite a bit too. So Yep. Um, another story here. Sorry, uh, Gwen. I, I have some uplifting stories coming up, <laughs> I swear. But this one. So um, the body of an Australian hiker who has gone missing in Canadian bear country has been found, unfortunately. So 24-year-old hiker disappeared on a hike. So this story came. There was like three parts of this story. First, she was missing. Then they talked about how she had been reaching out to people saying like she didn't want to go hiking alone and she was trying to get a group together to see if anyone wanted to go on these trails. She's in British Columbia. She was like, I'm not nervous about solo hiking, but I'm nervous about beers in the in that area. So she went missing. So everybody thought like, oh God, maybe she got attacked by a beer. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, that wasn't the case, but unfortunately she was found deceased. The death's not considered suspicious. Oh, it looks like um, all the evidence of the scene shows that she accidentally lost her footing and fell 
So, um, again, she had reached out over social media talking about plans to do this particular hike. Her vehicle was found at the trailhead of this section called Bear Lake, and um, they did a search and rescue effort looking for her over the course of a couple of days and then finally did locate her. So, um, sad story. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. it is a very sad story here. Um, but here's a, a, a more uplifting story for you, Gwen. This is a story <laughs> that um, a missing hiker that disappeared in Olympic National Park for like three or four days, but this one's got a twist to it. So this is a 44-year-old Stanford University professor, gentleman by the name of Hunter Frazier. He... Um, was when hiking on Thursday, June 8th. He left his car at the trailhead on Monday. He was planning to hike 40 miles over two nights. And he had texted his family on Tuesday morning, said he was going to be back in Seattle by midday Wednesday. On the 10th of June, the National Park Service reported that, um, so there was a rescue going on because nobody, nobody had located him. On June 10th, the Park Service reported that he had self-rescued with the assistance of other hikers. So he was found about 50 miles away from where he was last seen in the days prior. There's a twist to this one. The twist is, is that the Santa Clara County Superior Court indicated that Frazier was due in, Cal- in court in California on Friday, June 9th, the day before he resurfaced. So he's supposed to be back on the 8th didn't return, was supposed to be in court the next day, but was missing, showed up finally on that Saturday. The case that he was supposed to go to court was from an incident in July of 2022 where him and his girlfriend got into a um, a fight, basically. And this guy was charged with a felony by the district attorney. Um, they originally charged him with a misdemeanor, and then they, they upgraded to a felony. So they were going after this guy. Mm-hmm. He conveniently goes missing on the day that he's supposed to show up in court. So I think that this guy was generating a crisis to basically say like, oh, I couldn't come to court because I went missing. Yeah. So, interesting. It's a little fishy to me. Yeah. Yeah. So a little sketchy. Yeah, a little sketch. So, But he is back and uh, I'm sure that he'll have to uh, go to court eventually. But they postponed his court date and, you know, he bought himself a little bit more time. So, Wow. Yeah. Sketchy, sketchy stomp. <laughs> All right. So a um, couple couple of local stories here, like four local stories. And we got a couple of through hikers getting in trouble. So mm-hmm. shortly before nine on June 9th, Fishing Game was notified of an injured hiker on the Kinsman Ridge Trail in Lincoln. So solo through hiker had slipped on a wet route and suffered a lower leg injury that was preventing her from continuing. The injured hiker took shelter from the persistent rain under her tent until rescuers arrived. Um, nearest access to the hiker's location was Railbrook Trail in Eastern. Uh, first re- uh, rescuers arrived at the hiker's location at 2.30. The team stabilized the injury, packaged her into a rescue litter, and took her down about three and a half miles back to the trailhead on Route 116. So that's the backside of Kinsman's. So right. um, injured hiker was identified as 41-year-old hiker from Quebec. She was experienced, well-equipped. She had departed Georgia in February, so she's appreciative of the rescue team's efforts, and um, the team comprised of 18 volunteers from Pemi Valley Search and Rescue and two conservation officers, so. 
Everybody's slipping out there. It's been oh, yeah. slick. Yeah. It's super it's slick. Yeah. Weather super cycle slick. we're in. Yeah. Weather's horrendous. <laughs> yep. Um, next one is again on Friday, June 9th, um, 1.30 p.m. Fishing game officers were notified of a hiker that had fallen and struck her head on Rattle River Trail. So the hiker had lost consciousness and a physician hiking with her. Always want to hike with a doctor if you can. He recommended that a carryout rescue need, it was needed. Rattle River doesn't have cell phone service, so it sounds like they, they, they booked it down the trail to get cell phone coverage, made a 911 call, and then headed back up. I think from what I can tell, she was in like, there's a, like you come down from Mariah, and then you hit the bottom of basically the Rattle River section and then you've got to cross the the river and it looks like she was crossing that stream when one of her trekking poles broke causing her to fall face first into the rocky bank of the stream so that section there you are pretty far you're you're pretty deep in and you've got to either go back up to mariah to get cell phone coverage or you've got to run down closer to the shelter uh, either one way or the other on Rattle River. So mm. I guess she suffered several injuries, including lacerations, loss of consciousness, and an injured arm and leg. So pretty serious injury. So she was assisted by her hiking companions and cared for by the physician on scene while waiting for rescuers to arrive. So one thirty, the call came in. The litter arrived at 345. They evaluated the, uh, the hiker's conditions, placed her in a litter, and started carrying her down. So they got her out to the trailhead by 5.05. And um, yeah, so she was taken to Andrew Scroggen Valley Hospital in Berlin to uh, get treated. Mm. I can hear and, the Blackhawk flying by right now, actually, outside. Oh, you, you get a Blackhawk coming for you, Stomp? <laughs> oh, hopefully not for me, but it's <laughs> flying by. I'm, I'm nice. here at Welsh Dickey. It's heading north towards uh, the Pemi. Hmm. What, whoa. Um, but here's the good news on this one. She was well prepared and she had a hike safe card. So our friend George Pelletier is going to be super happy to hear that. <laughs> there you go. So, um, next up, this was a, this was a tough one here. This is on mm. uh, flume slide. So it's picking up like it's wet outside. Trail. People are slipping all over the place, but this one was uh, 11.25 a.m. Injured hiker call came into 911 from the Flume Slide Trail in Lincoln. 52-year-old Massachusetts man suffered a sliding 15-foot fall while ascending the Flume Slide. It's interesting. They say Flume Slide, so I don't know if he was directly on the slide or if he was on the trail. My guess is he's probably on the trail in one of those like granite sections or something. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The yeah. Proper but trail. But he's... He is, um, yeah, so he was heading up, actually. So he mm-hmm. was three and a half miles from the bike path. A hiker called for help, but uh, felt that it was a companion with him, uh, called for help, but felt that they should continue slowly down the trail. So they were heading down. Two conservation officers were sent to assist. Um, as time progressed, the hiker's condition didn't improve, so they called in for volunteers from Pemi Valley Search and Rescue to help carry out uh, this hiker. The hiker was stabilized enough to make it the entire distance to the trailhead under his own power, um, where the rescue party arrived basically at like 250. So 
that's a tough one. 15 foot fall and he's able to uh, power his way out. So good for him. Mm. Um, gentleman from Canton, Massachusetts was transported by Linwood ambulance to Littleton regional for evaluation. Um, they said he had serious injuries that he suffered. So, uh, he was well-prepared, experienced hiker who explained that um, he just slipped on wet rocks. So that's pretty pretty ballsy of him to be able to hike himself out of there. Mm. Yeah. If, so. if I did that, I would demand that they don't put my name in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> that, trail is, uh, that trail is a tough one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they have and some sections, especially if it's wet. Absolutely, yeah. and it's it's almost always wet anyway, even in good yeah, weather, because true. it just doesn't get any sun. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, and last but not least, stomp, and then we can wrap it up. Here is is a lost hiker in Sharon. Um, so this is on Monday, June twelfth, around eight fifteen. Fishing game gets a call nine one one. Lost hiker in a wooded area near Mountain Pond in the town of Sharon. So um, the dispatchers were able to pick up the GPS coordinates for the location of, of the cell phone used to call 911. So with that information, um, conservation officers began hiking the woods road towards the cell phone coordinates. As they were hiking in, they were able to make voice contact with the lost hiker, 70-year-old hiker from Belfast, Maine. Uh, this hiker was lost. He was given water and a headlamp and escorted out of the woods, got back to the trailhead around 9.30 or so. So I guess she was vision, visiting the Peterborough area and had parked at uh, Calassa State Forest to hike the trails. She got out on trails around 5.30 or so and then got lost and called for help. So um, bring a headlamp. Don't start hiking too late. Yep, that is the lesson. That is, that is. So we got a through hiker getting injured. We got uh, a, a fall on flume slide. We've got a Rattle River rescue and then just a local hiker missing. So that's four in a week stomp. So it's picking up. It's summer. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yep. And we're only one degree away from being able to swim in the water and go True. floating. True. All right. So this is, we're going to wrap it up here. This is 110. Stay tuned next week to find out whether Stomp actually survives the Mount Washington road race. <laughs> and if Mike races in it. Yep. Then does Mike's toe heal enough for him to race? We'll see. Cliffhanger. Stay tuned. Yes. The next exciting episode. Yep. All right. We're out. Later. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse.
officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Nealon, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared. And I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.